Well, Father's Day is here, and uh, just to all the dads, just want to say you're awesome. It is such a privilege to be a father, and now, although, uh, like Ian, I'm a grandfather, even though I look incredibly young for my age. No, come on. Uh, it's uh, the surgery costs a fortune, but hey, I, I just want to tell you, it's such a privilege and honor to uh, be a dad, and uh, Kyle and Grace, they're producing another offspring. Well done, uh, son-in-law. <laughs> yeah, so a uh, very productive family, very productive. And, and again, too, we've got a lot of babies coming, right, Aaron? Aaron and Miranda, well, I, uh, any minute, any minute now, another miracle baby on the way. And uh, Aaron, woo, new season for, uh, for, you, for you, man. New season for you, that's for sure. So to all the dads and all those who brought along dads today, and I know that Father's Day can mean different things for different people. Maybe for some of you, you've had different experiences with your dads. Maybe you'd love to have your dad here, but, but, but for, uh, maybe he's passed. Maybe there, there could be all kinds of emotions and experiences that people go through uh, on Father's Day. But again, just reminding us that we have a Father in heaven, like Kyle said, who loves us and cares for us. Come on, one more clap offering uh, for him. He's worthy of all praise. So we're going to continue in our series uh, today and um, uh, of uh, Esther. We're going through the book of Esther, and we've already got parts one and two uh, online. And I just want to say before I get into it, although we're speaking about Esther, which is, which is a Bible chick story, I, I'm going to put some stuff in there for the boys today. Come on, somebody. I'm going to make sure there's some man stuff uh, in the book of uh, Esther as well as we go through it. So don't Worry, but I. The reality is, I love this story because it's it's one where uh, someone uh, and I, I do. I love these kind of stories in general, where someone uh, goes against the odds and comes out on uh, top and uh, has a fight and gets through it and and comes out a chair. This is this is one of those stories. This is one of those uh, kind of uh, stories. The story of a brave young Hebrew, a woman whose heroic act saved her entire people from certain death, from a really crooked, wicked tyrant. And so in this series, what I hope to do is just reveal from the Scripture a part of her story so it can help us and inspire us in our story as we do the journey of life. And like I said, I will make sure there's some Father's Day guy stuff in there today. And so we finished last week discovering that the length of time between the end of chapter one, and the start of chapter two was four years. Sometimes we just read those chapters, we don't think about them, but there's just in that space there, there is a four-year gap. Uh, chapter one takes place in the third year of King Xerxes' reign, and chapter two, we find Esther brought before the king in the seventh year of King Xerxes' reign, a four-year gap. Now, Esther chapter two starts off with the words, after these Things. After these things, when the wrath of King Xerxes had calmed down, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what was decreed against her. So it says, after these things. So we have to ask the question, what things? After what things? What was going on in those four 
years. If we look at chapter one, we have uh, uh, King Xerxes having a banquet. Remember the banquet? It was six months long, 180 days. It was a party like no other party. And it was a, no other party like a Persian party, I'm going to tell you. And it was going on and on and on. And then he had another banquet. I mean, he was partying big time. But when we come to chapter two, we find him kind of sad. He's kind of down, not out, but a little bit down, a bit more reflective. So what happened in those four years? What happened? What, 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 what was going on? Well, one of the things that went on was he was, number one, badly beaten in battle. He got dealt to. And although the Bible is silent on this, the history books don't hide the mystery. Yeah, thanks. History doesn't hide the mystery. He, he got badly thrashed by the Greek armies. In fact, a few years ago, there was a movie come out. Some of the guys, you may have seen it. You probably shouldn't have, but you probably did. And it was called 300. I don't know if you re remember that. I mean, Shem's got a beard like the guy on 300. Stand up and let's see that beard, Shem. Come on. Come on, look at that beard. That is, that's a man beard right there. And so, so you, if you remember, you know, it had that bit in it, I am spot on. That's the type of competition you should have. <sighs> and so you remember that movie, I am spot on. That was a story about 300 Greeks who took on who? King Xerxes, the armies of Persia. And they got... They, these 300, now it's not, that's a fictionalized version, it's not accurate or whatever, but that's the event that it's talking about. It was actually a real battle, and that's the event that it's talking about. And so King Xerxes got dealt to. He got thrashed by the Greek armies, and they were like, loser. And so he was feeling sad. And so he returns badly beaten. To his kid. And, and what is the guy? Look, listen, when you're having a bad day, he, he, who did he seek out? The one whom he loved. Why was he sad? Vashti wasn't there anymore. His queen wasn't there. The one whom he loved, the one who he consoled with, the one who he spent his life with, this one who he loved and actually cared about, was no longer there. And that's why it, it says, he started to remember what he had decreed about Vashti. And he'd come home and he was sad because the king was now alone. And the Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. That's why you should join connect groups, people. It's not good for you to be just a little connect group plug right there. We're not designed to do life alone. We need each other. And so although, listen, although he had a harem... Some of you might be going, well, I can live with that. <laughs> well, although he had a harem, he loved Vashti. Yeah, well. She was his soulmate. Right. I mean, and think about it. We live in a world today where, where, where things like soulmates and that people, people don't think about that. We live in a world that chases after sex, chased after money, chased after all kinds of temporary uh, temporary things. People, we, we live in a world where people can just, just go and sleep with one another, flick right, see, find somebody to sleep with, where there's no connection, no relationship, no intimacy. And, and, and listen, I want to tell you, that'll never satisfy. And, and although the king had a harem, that, that was not what he was looking for. That could not satisfy. What he was looking for was intimacy. What he was looking for was relationship. His companion had gone. That's what was missing. That's why he was feeling 
Yeah, and, and, and listen, I know that. I've been married for, for a while now. But, you know, I can have a, a, a bad day, and I, I'll, I'll come home, and Anita already knows, probably by the way I'm stomping upstairs or whatever, but, but she can usually tell that I've had a bad, bad day. And come in, oh, darling, did you get beaten up by the Greeks again? You know, it's that kind of thing. She can tell when I've had a bad day. She can tell when things have just gone, gone wrong. It's, it's, it's called relationship. It's called intimacy. And that's why he was reflecting on what have I done? He's like, duh. In his drunken moment, and when he got so drunk, he, he wiped her off the face. He's like, what have I done? And of course, his guys are there, and they start realizing he's going to get upset, and, and an angry king is not a good thing. And they're like, they, they start, come on, let's do something, guys. And they say, quick, let's find him a new queen. Let's find him a new love. And so enters Esther. This girl who we saw last week has a good figure and a beautiful face who comes before the king after 12 months of beauty treatments. And the Bible tells us that the king loved Esther above all the woman. The message version says he was smitten by her. And she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. And the king gave a great banquet, Esther's banquet, for all the nobles and officials. Remember, this is a book of banquets. We've been walking through that. And this is the fourth banquet. We're only into chapter 3. This is the fourth party going on, the fourth banquet. And it says, he proclaimed a holiday throughout the provinces and distributed gifts. Everybody say gifts. Gifts with royal liberality. Now, I, 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 I got you to emphasize that just because we've been doing a little aside as we've gone through this and studied. Because we've been looking also at the Jewish festival of Purim. Which is a festival where you will have fun. It's the funnest festival and you have to have fun. It's not an option. It doesn't matter how you're feeling on the day. You will have fun on the Feast of Purim. And we've already seen, what are some of the things in the Feast of Purim? Number one, they, they, they feast, they do. There's a lot of banquets, it comes from the book. There's a lot of feasts going on, there's a lot of eating. There's also a lot of drinking. And again, one of the things of the Festival of Purim for even Orthodox Jews who are usually so strict is on this day, this one day a year, they must get blind drunk. We're not bringing it back. Okay, that was a lot of, that was too quiet in here. So bring it back. No, no way, no way, Jose. So they get drink and get drunk. They're obligated to do it. They drink to the point where they don't even know between what is good and what is evil. I said last week, another thing they do is they wear masks. Why? Because one of the themes of Esther is hidden things. God is hidden. There's no mention of God in the whole book. But not only that, Esther's nationality is hidden. It's not mentioned. It's not talked about. It's not spoken. She hides her nationality. And so the wearing of masks has become a part of the festival but also another thing that happens on the uh, uh, feast of Purim is the giving of gifts so gifts are given also that's one of the other traditions now in Esther chapter 2 verse 21 things change gear a little so number two we find Mordecai overhears men with murder on their mind he overhears an assassination plot and it says on this day Mordecai sitting at the King's Gate. Where was he sitting? He was sitting at the King's Gate. 
when Big Thana, I don't know, that's how I say it, I bet you it's said different than that, but it's kind of, that kind of sounds like people I know. Big Thana, he's a big dude, that fella. And Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who were guarding or guarded the entrance, had it in for the king, and they were making plans to kill King Xerxes. Because remember, again, he was a bit of a loser king at the moment. He's getting done to, he's getting dealt to. And so they're like, let's kill him, let's kill him. And so they made plans to kill King Xerxes. But Mordecai learned of the plot and told Queen Esther, who then told King Xerxes, giving credit to Mordecai. When the thing was investigated and confirmed as true, the two men were hanged on a gallows. This was all written down in a logbook kept for the king's use. Now, I've just been thinking about Mordecai here. Mordecai had stepped in, as uh, those who have been following along would know in the series, Mordecai had stepped up to be like a dad to orphan Esther. That's who he who he was. He wasn't actually her dad, but he'd stepped up to be her dad. And I'm just thinking on this Father's, this Father's Day, I want every man here, whether you're a father or not, to know that you have the capacity within you to be a dad to someone, to be a role model. See, see it's my heart today to to challenge us as men, whether you're a father of not, or not. We don't know if Mordecai had his own children. I, I, I don't know. But the, the thing is, he was certainly a father to this girl. And I want to encourage people today, especially men, to why not say in your life, let me be like Mordecai. Let me be someone who can take care. Let me be a father to. Let me be a leader of. Let me be someone who, and, and I, like I said, I don't care whether you're older or, or, or younger. Maybe you're even just a teenager. Don't underestimate your influence. Don't underestimate. Just think, I'll do that when I get serious. No, right now, your life can be an influence and can be something that can change and shift people's lives if you would live according to his word. There's a need for more Mordecai's. There's a need for more male role models. I mean, she wasn't his actual child, but he took it on himself. I want to tell you, in this fatherless generation that we live in, we need to, as men, be ones who are going, take it. Don't think it's somebody else's job to do. It might be your job. It's a need for more Mordecai's. Would you, would you be that man? Don't underestimate your influence. And even though you might be a single dad, or you might be someone who's, who's just like, man, life's throwing you a few curveballs. Doesn't matter. Stuff happens. Things happen. Just be brave. Know that God, God, God's got you. He isn't finished with you. It's not over. Decide you're going to be a person of influence. And speaking of influence, in this passage we find Mordecai where? Sitting at the king's gate. Sitting at the king's gate. You know, when we were in the ancient city of Jerusalem, 
last year, which seems like a really long time ago. When you remember when we used to travel on airplanes and all that kind of thing back in the olden days? But when we were in the ancient city of Jerusalem, we had the opportunity to pass through many of the ancient gates of that city. And I've, I, I've shared with you uh, over the time that the, the gates were important places, that especially in that city, they served all kinds of different functions and purposes. In Jerusalem, one of the gates we saw was the Dung Gate, the Dung Gate, D-U-N-G, the Dung Gate. And the Dung Gate is exactly what the name implies. It's where all the dung, they had a lot of animals, no vehicles in there, wasn't a lot of carbon monoxide, but there was a lot of dung. And so they had to get that out of the city and they didn't want it coming out of the nice gates. We take it out of the dung. So you have a dung gate. It is a clearly marked gate. That's where rubbish left the city. And then you had the sheep gate. The sheep gate, and that's where many of the animals entered the city to, uh, uh, for all the sheep, for uh, the sacrificing, the rams and so on. All the sheep would go in through this as they made their way to the temple uh, area where they would do the sacrifices and so on. And of course, we know that later on a Muslim ruler, one of the sultans, renamed the sheep gate the lion's gate after one of his great victories. But here's the thing. It's kind of cool when you think about Jesus is the lamb of God, but he's also the lion. So this, this very gate symbolizing the sheep gate soon became the lion gate. And it, 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 when you think about that, how that matches up with Jesus, who was both the lion and the lamb. And then there's the Golden Gate, the gate called Beautiful. It's now blocked off, but it was the one that led to the temple courts through which Jesus rode a donkey, and people shouted, Hosanna. Ancient gates are very significant. In fact, we can learn a lot about Mordecai, who we find sitting at the king's gate. We can learn a lot about him just from the fact of where he was, where he was seated. It tells us he was seated at the king's gate, and the king's gate was a very important place. If you ask me what type of place it was like, it would be the commercial hub of the city. It would be like the CBD. It would be the place where the king may even do audiences with his people. And so to be placed at the king's gate meant that you were someone of influence, someone of high standing or in high position. And we can see this from scriptures like in the book of Daniel where it tells us in Daniel 2 verse 48, then the king made Daniel great and gave him great gifts and made him ruler over all the province of Babylon and chief of the prefects over all the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel asked the king and he set Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the king's gate or in the gate of the king. What did he do? He was the ruler over the whole province. Where did he rule from? He ruled from the king's gate. So from that we can understand and know and understand that Mordecai was someone of influence. He was maybe a senior civil servant. Maybe he was a leader. Maybe he was a businessman. I don't know what it was that he did, but he was someone of importance. And I just want to stop here and say this, because you might be here today and you might be a businessman 
And you might be, you might be a business person, you might be a civil servant, you might be a health, a health professional, you might have different roles. I know within this church there are those who are in government positions and lead and work in those positions. You, you might be that kind of person. But I, I just want to say, wherever you find yourself, please understand, you are not where you are by accident. About three of you. I said, you are not where you are by accident, but by divine purpose. Business people, professionals, again, I want to remind you, God does not wait here on Sundays for when you leave this place going, well, hope to see you next week, depending on what level we're in. You know, he, God doesn't wait or hang around for for. Uh, for you to come back next Sunday. You've got to understand he goes with you. He goes with you into those places. He's not saying, I don't want to go with you into the evil business world. No, he definitely wants you to be an influence and a, play, a person of influence in those places. Understand you're not there by accident, but by a divine purpose. Oh, I just felt the Lord just dropped something in my spirit. There are some of you, you're always wanting something else. Like if I just could do that, Listen, you are where you are by God's divine purpose. I'm not saying you can't change or you can't shift or whatever. You've got to understand. Let God use you where you're at. Let him use your gifts and, and talents wherever he takes you. Just a reminder again, the, 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 the 40 supernatural events that happened in the book of Acts supernatural, powerful works of God that, ha that happened. Out of, out, of, out of the 40 that took place in the book of Acts, only one happened in a religious setting like this. The rest of them happened where? In the workplace, in the places where you'll see. It, it happened at the gates that you were seated at. I don't know what your gate is. I don't know where it is that you're at, but, but you've got to understand that he can use you at the gate of your life. Come on. He can use you at the gate. Hallelujah. Jesus didn't pick religious people to follow him. He picked the business people. A fisherman. A tax collector. And he didn't even say, you've got, you, you know, I want you to stop doing that, those gifts. I, I'm going to teach you some spiritual stuff now. No, no, what, here's what he, he said. You know how to fish for fish? Now I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm to, the skills that you've learned, I'm going to now use them to win people for the kingdom. You've got to understand you are where you're at by divine purpose. Stop trying to be someone else or something else. Understand you are not where you are by accident. He is for you, not against you. So Mordecai was definitely a person of influence, and he found out about a plot to kill the king. Some men had murder on their mind. An assassination plot was planned, and he went to Esther, and he said, Esther, hey, my, I want to see my niece or whatever. I was like, Esther, I'm going to just tell you this is what's going on. And so Esther's like, wow, that's crazy. And so she goes and tells the king, and he's like, what? And then they go and find out and investigate it, and they find out that it's true. And so they're like, we've got to take these people out. And so what happens is they were arrested when they were investigated. These guys were arrested. And, and, and as I read out before, it says they were hanged. But in the King James Version, which is the version Jesus used, it says this. It's even cooler if you're a guy. 
quite enough, actually. It says they were impaled on a pole. Turn to your neighbor and go, ouch, that's got to hurt. Come on, just, it just is. They were impaled on a pole. So don't mess with the king. So Mordecai had foiled the plot. He'd saved the day. He'd saved the king's life. And now you'd go, right? He should be rewarded for that. He's done that. But all that happened was they wrote down in the king's log book and forgot about it. That's it. No card. No petrol voucher. No appreciation. And I was thinking there, right there, that was a life attitude test moment for Mordecai, right there. Have you ever done something and gone, wow, not one person noticed? Maybe even this week. Maybe. Have you ever done something at work and you've been working really hard and you go, look, man, I'm going to step it up. I'm going to go the extra mile. And nobody, I can see you're looking at people going, yeah, that's me, yeah. <laughs> and you've gone to do something and nobody notices. Maybe you've even done it here. At church, you've been serving for ages. Pastor Adam just walks past every time, doesn't he? Big shot, who does he think he is? Doesn't even see what I'm doing. Mop, mop, mop. I, 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 he doesn't even notice me. I know none of this, none of you would do it. It is the next service that we have problems with. But have you ever gone through life like that and you start to go like, man, no one notices what I did. This was the kind of moment that Mordecai had. It's like, I serve week in, week out, Lord, do people even, even notice? Do they even care? And Mordecai could have done that, but he, he didn't. He just kept his heart sweet. He just did what was right. And it's just a reminder, I think, for, for us that, Again, we don't serve God so he will love us. We serve God because he loved us, right? We don't serve God. We, we don't do things so God will love us. We do things because God loves us. And, and it's out of that love because you'll do anything for someone you love. You'll do anything. And it's out of that that we serve. We, 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 don't, we, we don't serve to get. We serve to give. And it's like, you know, I would use this example Many times, but it, it, it's kind of true. Like when you first become a Christian, it's like, oh God, use me. Use me, Lord, use me, Lord. And so the pastor comes along and says, yeah, can we use you to do that? Could, hey, look, those toilets, can you figure that? The kitchen, hey, can you, you, you? And then after a couple of years, you're like, you're stopping away and they haven't sent a card. There's no petrol voucher or nothing. And then it's just going, I feel used. Well, that's what we are. Use me, Lord. Listen, I want to tell you, don't ever do stuff for Pastor Adam and Anita. I mean, you can send us a card every now and then. That would be nice. But, but I'm saying don't, don't serve to get value from... Never serve to define your value. Your value doesn't come from... So your value comes from the fact that you're a child of God. And don't do it for Pastor Adam and Anita. Listen, Colossians 3.23 says whatever you do, whatever, whatever you do, in your workplace, whatever it is, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ. Listen, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. 
Listen, whatever you do, wherever it is that you work, whatever, whatever it is, even if your boss is a grumpy person, even if your boss, whatever it is, understand that you are not serving there. Always have a heart that says, I'm serving the Lord, whatever, whatever it is. And so Mordecai understood this principle, doing the right thing because it was the right thing to do. Yet little did Mordecai know that much later on, years years ahead that this thing that he did that saved the king's life which he got no appreciation for but much later on the thing that he did to save the king's life became the key to saving his life that's why my friends Galatians tells us we should not lose heart don't lose heart in well-doing. Don't lose heart in serving. Don't lose heart in giving yourself to the cause of Christ. Don't, don't lose heart in well-doing. For in due season, we will reap if we do not faint. If we do not give up. And so I want us to take a snapshot of this moment because we will come back here at a later time in a later part of the series to this exact moment where he saves the king's life and because of that, his life will be saved. Because of what he sowed today, it will affect his tomorrow. And so that concludes chapter two, but as we enter chapter three, we encounter the villain of the story. And I might, I'll just get you to stop the keyboard because I'm going to do the villain now, AJ. And it's sort of like, yes. <laughs> Haman the Horrible. Haman the Horrible. It says this, Esther chapter 3 verse 1. Sometime later, King Xerxes promoted Haman, son of Hamadatha. That even sounds like a mean name. Hamadatha. Agite, making him the highest ranking official in the government. Now we've talked about this. Esther's name means star. Mordecai's name means little man. What does Haman's name mean? Magnificent. That's what Haman's name means. He was magnificent and he certainly thought he was. It says all in Esther 3 verse 2 through 6. It says, all the king's horses and all the king... No, it doesn't say that. It says, all the king's servants. Now remember, Mordecai's a king's servant. How do I know that? Because he's seated at the gate. All the king's servants at the king's gate used to honor him by bowing down and kneeling before Haman. That's what the king had commanded, except Mordecai. Mordecai wouldn't do it. He wouldn't bow down. He wouldn't kneel. The king's servants at the king's gate asked Mordecai about it. Why do you cross the king's command? When Haman saw for himself that Mordecai didn't bow down and kneel before him, he was outraged. But why wouldn't Mordecai bow? Why wouldn't he bow? We know Jews had no problem bowing to officials or, or kings. We can see that from 1 Samuel 24 verse Verse 8, it says, Then David went out after him and called to him, Your majesty, Saul turned around, and David bowed down to the ground 
and respect. So they had no problems bowing down to people. And there are other verses that showed this, 2 Samuel 14, verse 4, 1 Kings 1, verse 16. They understood honor and respect. They, under, they would have no problem bowing, but he would not. And then why did Haman get so angry? Why did he get so upset? Scripture tells us that when Haman learned that Mordecai was a Jew, Haman hated to waste his fury on just one Jew. He looked for a way to eliminate not just Mordecai, but all the Jews throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. Which, I don't know if you thought about it, seems a little excessive, Mr. Magnificent. It's a little over the top. Is it time for an anger management class or... What is it? Why so tense? Why is the egos involved? Little man won't bow down to magnificent man. What, what's going on here? So because he doesn't do that, I'm going to wipe out the whole, your whole race. I'm going to destroy all of you. And Haman wasn't just talking. He went about to plan it. He went about to do it. He makes a plan to do it. These weren't just empty words. It said Haman then spoke with King Xerxes. There is an odd set of people scattered throughout your kingdom. They're in the front. The king shouldn't put up with them. If it pleases the king, let orders be given that they should be destroyed. He, he was not mucking around. But why the hate? Why the aggro? Why, why didn't Mordecai bow? Why does Haman want to kill them all? Is there some male macho thing going on there? It's like, come on, you throw the first punch. Come on. What's going on? Why are neither of them prepared to back down? Well, there's one reason, and one reason only. And I'll tell you the next time I'm preaching on Esther part four, so you can find out then. I know. And we're having a break next week. I've got Jono Turner from Palmerston coming, and so he's going to preach. We're going to have a little bit of a break, just give you a break. So you can find what's going on, what's going to happen. Well, you'll have to come back and find out. Now, nice music. As we close. <laughs> and to those online. But I want to take a moment, just as we close, and just give people an opportunity, again, to get right with God. You know, yesterday we lost a uh, Brian Coughlin from the 8 a.m. service. He he passed away. Been a part of the church for like ages. His mom was a part of the church for ages. But again, we never know when our time is up, right? And again, too, we, 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 we can't take our life for granted. The Bible says, Blessed are the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Friends, I'm going to tell you, if you were to die today and face God in eternity, why should he let you into his heaven? The reality is the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Man is an appointed man once to die and then face judgment. My friends, there is a judgment coming. We cannot mess around with eternity. I always say at funerals on a tombstone in Indiana were written the words, Paul, strangers, you pass me by as you are. Now, so once was I. As I am now, soon you will be. So prepare for death and follow me. And someone had come along and written underneath it, to follow you, I'm not content until I know which way you went. Where would you spend eternity? You need to get right with God today. 
We can't muck around. Our life is like a blade of grass here today and gone tomorrow. Maybe this is your moment to get right with our Father that is in heaven. Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. This is a moment between you and God. If you're here today and you know you need to get right with God, you just know it. You just know. Friend, and remember this, the, the, the gospel is not about how bad you are. It's about how good He is. We can do nothing to earn our salvation. You can't be a good person. The Bible says all of sin, meaning we fall short of His glory. It's not comparing ourselves to one another. It's His glory that we fall short of. He made a way where there seemed to be no way. Jesus Christ came and died on a cross in Calvary to a sinner that was on the cross next to him, a thief that was, was nailed on a cross next to him. He cried out to Jesus and he said, save me. Save me, Master. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. What did that thief do to earn his salvation? Nothing. He could do nothing. And I want to tell you, you can do nothing. Today, if you would believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, say, Christ, I give my life to you. I need you. God, I submit my life to you. You are king. Did I want to tell you it'll be the best decision you ever make in your life? So every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you know, and if you're watching even online, wherever you are in the world, and you know you need to get right with God. Today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just put your hand up and say, include me in that prayer, Pastor. I need to get right with God. I need to get right with God today. I need to make my life right with Him. Thank you. Anyone else? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all pray this together. Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Today, I give my life to you. I turn away from sin, turn towards you. Let me follow you all the days of my life. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can we put our hands together for those who say yes to Jesus? Amen. Please stand. Please stand. And again, to all the dads here today, you're amazing. God bless. God bless. And all that you do, would you put your hands out like this and let me pronounce a blessing over you. And remember, after the service, you got some ginger beard, some beautiful socks that you've probably just worn out socks from last year. We're going to give you a new set today. Come on. But let me pronounce this blessing over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.